coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the sixth day of February, 2022. Denying Jesus. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 13 as we continue our examination of those events in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. We come to the end of the chapter and we have a few just a couple verses that we want to focus on that take us elsewhere in God's Word and uh, want to talk about denying Christ. Certainly a serious topic, isn't it? And it centers on the life of one of our favorite Bible characters, Peter, who... Uh, often said what the others were thinking. So he wasn't alone in his activities. In fact, the Lord says so on several occasions. You, the rest of you are thinking the same thing, aren't you? But we come to this uh, conclusion of chapter 13, and it sort of flows into uh, this uh, section that we're coming to today. Briefly in verses 36 through 38, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered to him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Passage has the potential bringing a lot of discouragement into our lives. Here was Simon Peter who had for now, for three plus years, walked and talked with Jesus. A few moments ago in history, before this section, we had the record of Judas betraying Jesus and going out to talk to the, the lead, spiritual leaders of his day to bring about the arrest and then later the trial and crucifixion of Christ. And shortly after that, we have this account now of Peter denying the Lord. And we go, what's happening to this group? One, one has just gone to betray him and now another one, Jesus says, is going to deny him. What does it mean to deny 
someone or something. First of all, you have to know what's true. Jesus said, you will deny me. When we look at the account that, that uh, Tom read for us, and it's repeated in the other Gospels, when he is pointed out as a follower of Christ, was that true? Certainly was. And then what it means to deny is refuse to admit the truth. To refuse to admit the truth. I think that I am pretty confident that at one time or another, every believer goes through a spell where they wonder if they're saved. They may have put their trust in the Lord, certainly have, but then are wondering, maybe it's something they did, maybe something they said, something that they thought, or maybe they, they have been out of sorts with the Lord because of sin. And the question is, how does the Lord look at me? Now, in our, in our beliefs, in our tradition, we say once saved, always saved. You put your trust in the Lord, you're saved for eternity, and that is not lost. But that certainly doesn't carry a lot of weight when we're doubting and questioning within. And verses like this don't help at all. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Not helpful. <laughs> because we go, uh-oh, this is, this is bad. This is really bad. So what about Peter? Jesus warns him he's going to deny him three times. Does that mean that Peter is going to be lost? Is he going to lose his salvation? What? is to be made of that. There's other passages that I've given you so that you can look them up. He says, I write to you in 1 John chapter 2, I write to you because, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. <laughs> Stabbed to the heart. Have you ever denied the Lord? Someone asked you if you're a follower of Christ. And much like Peter, you responded, mm, No. I hope not, but maybe you have. What's to be made of that? This was the prophecy that was made by Jesus Christ. The reality, the fulfillment of that prophecy is found in all four Gospels. Peter does not escape. <laughs> 
the testimony of all the gospel writers. You can see the passages that are laid out there in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And it's an interesting study if you would ever to, to pull those out. I, I had them typed out into my paperwork so I just could compare them written side by side. They are interesting because in Matthew it says uh, a servant girl came to him and then another servant and finally some bystanders and each one brought about that accusation and a denial. In Mark it says one of the servant girls uh, questioned him and he denied it and then it says that a servant girl saw him and again began to say to the bystanders. And so the same one in, in the count in Mark. And then the bystanders uh, accused Peter of denying, of the accusation of being with the Savior. In Luke, the passage that Tom read for us, says a servant girl, and then a little bit later someone else and then a little bit later, still another insisted on this. So we see some variance in the passages. In John chapter 18, a servant girl at the door stops him. He hardly gets in the door. And he says, you're one of men's, this man's disciples, aren't you? And he said, I'm not. And then there's a little interlude in the passage in John where we go back to the trial where Jesus was being questioned. And then we come back and it says, Simon Peter was standing, warming himself. And they said to him, are you not also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I'm not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And again, Peter denied it. So the record is clear. Peter, on multiple occasions, denied the Lord. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about have you ever had something in your life that you can instantly go back to. It's not ever been shaken from your memory. It might be something good, but it might be something bad. I can't believe that Peter didn't live out his life with a memory of that night. He had just seen, he had just spent these hours in the upper room with his, his savior. He had gone out saying, I'll, I'll die for you. Then when Jesus was arrested in the garden after a time of prayer, they came and arrested him. And he, and he sounds like at first he's going to do what he said and carries a sword and swipes off an ear of one of the, the men there. But when they haul him away and he follows after, we get these denials. And I wonder how much that haunted Peter the rest of his life. I was put in that situation. And when it was my turn 
to step up and give testimony of my allegiance to my Lord. I denied that I was even associated with it. So Jesus was right when he said, Peter, you can't follow me. You can't go where I'm going right now. But instead, you're going to deny me. You won't offer up your life for me. You will deny me. When we were reading the passage this morning, and we had uh, Tom read that passage in, in chapter uh, chapter 22 of Luke, there was this warning that we have recorded in John chapter 13 about the same sort of thing in the upper room. And we have a little bit fuller detail in the upper room. He says, verse 31 of chapter 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. We see something behind the scenes here. Peter, who is often the spokesman for the disciples, is the one that Satan went after. And his desire was to take out Peter with the idea of the fallout swinging all the way through the disciples. If Peter would fail, what about the rest of us? He says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then the next line, he says, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you even know me. As, we came, as I came to the passage this week, actually last week as I was looking ahead and seeing this, I kept thinking, what's the value of this? I certainly don't want to encourage everybody to go out and deny Christ. That, that's not the purpose of the passage. Actually, as I was looking at this, I came to the place of saying, what a message of hope is found in the denial of Peter. Jesus had predicted the failure and we looked in the Gospels and in all four Gospel accounts they at length record the failure of Peter and in each one it talks about him when the rooster crows and he puts the prophecy and the reality together that 
it shakes him to the core and he goes out broken down it says in mark and he wept if the story stopped there what a what a terrible conclusion it would be but it didn't stop there we get to the fallout and this is where I'd like for us to focus for a few moments Jesus had said I'll pray for you that your faith wouldn't fail and then when we get to John chapter 21 we, we come to not the epilogue to the story because there's still more to be said but we come to how the Lord redeems a situation in John chapter 21 you recall the events Jesus had gone from that mockery of the trial to before Pilate and Herod then he was, of course, taken and beaten and stripped and humiliated and then taken to the cross and crucified. When he had died, he was taken down off the cross and buried. Then there was Resurrection Sunday. And he was raised back to life. And he appeared to his disciples again as they met together wondering what happens now and revealed himself to them and then he says I want you to go to Galilee I'll meet you there and they move on up from the area around Jerusalem up to Galilee and we have John chapter 21 He says, after this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Simon said, let's go fishing. And so they were out fishing, and they had caught nothing. Sounds like another story in Scripture. And as they were, as the day was breaking, Jesus uh, stood on the shore, and the disciples didn't know who he was. And he said, "Have you caught any fish?" And they answered him, "No." He says, "Cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." And they did, and now they are not able to haul it in. Peter goes, deja vu. <laughs> this has happened to me before. And when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he stripped down for work, threw himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of, of fish. And they got there, and Jesus had prepared a, a meal for them. And when they were done, Jesus is now aside with Peter. I cannot even imagine. 
Peter face to face with Jesus after denying him. I don't know if you had situations like this happen in your home, but sometimes I would say that it happened to me, but I had two sisters and a brother, so. Anyway, something would be done in disobedience, and mom would say, just wait, your dad will be coming home, and he's going to take care of this. And I'm wondering if, if Peter felt a little bit like that. You know, the crucifixion had happened, he had denied the Lord, and then there was a resurrection, and now that's a mixed blessing because, yay, Jesus is alive, and you all know I, he's alive, I'm going to have to face him. And the Lord says, Peter, why don't you come here? Let's have a little talk. Oh, how bad this is. And in times past, I have focused on the account because it is a juicy account here. Jesus said, do you love me? And, and Peter says, you know, I, I really am affectionate toward you. And Jesus said, but do you love me? And Peter says, I'm really affectionate toward you. And he says, Pete, then Jesus says, well, are you even really affectionate towards me? And, and it grieved Peter. And that's always a good part of this passage, you know, just. But this time, as I was thinking about the denial of Peter, I thought how Jesus had responded to this situation. And what did he do? At the, when Jesus asked these questions, Jesus had said, feed my lambs. Feed, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And after he said this, he said, come, follow me. And I was looking at that this week, and I go, Peter could have been so easily had been written off by the Lord. You denied me three times. You'd been with me for all those years. And when the push came to shove, you tripped over yourself getting out of the way. And Jesus could have had some scathing words for Peter. I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. He didn't go there, though. When he asked the questions about whether Peter loved him or not, each time he responded, then I have a job for you. You are not written out of this picture. You're still part of the ministry that I have. And I want you to feed my sheep. What a burden must have been lifted off of Peter's shoulders that day. 
gone from a place where he was dejected because of what he had done. We know how he responded because he had wept when he went out. And now he is face to face with the Savior. And the Lord knows his heart. The Lord had warned him, you're going to deny me. And now he's faced with that. And what does Jesus do? Say, get out of here. I don't have anything to do with you. No. He says, do you love me? Feed my lambs. You're still an integral part of why I called you to be a disciple. You still have a role to play in ministering to others. And the epilogue, at least for this part of the story, is found in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls down upon the disciples and everybody wondering what is going on. Who's the one that stands up to preach the message? Peter. And at the end of that passage in Acts 2, verses 14 through 41, as Peter preaches this message. We come down to the record here. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word and were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. My encouragement to you, not to deny the Lord, but just to encourage you that the Lord isn't done with you, even if you think that he's done with you. Peter needed to be faced by the Lord, but when he did, the Lord restored him in his mystery. And we go back to that prophecy in Luke. What did Jesus say? And when he has sifted you, I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you have turned again, oh, what words of hope. When you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So what do we do about those passages where it says, if you deny me um, before men, I will deny you before the Father? Just don't stay in that position. Peter did it, but he didn't stay there. He repented. He returned to his Savior and became a spokesman for him. God used him. Did Peter never fail after that? I wish I could say that. But scripture says no. He stuck his foot in it again later on up in Antioch. But you know what? God was not finished with one that he had called even when he Let this be an encouragement to you 
your times of greatest failure in following your Savior can be followed by restoration after repentance. God is not done with you. He doesn't write you off. Don't you write yourself off. I'm sure that Peter went through agony as he contemplated the situation and it was burned into his heart and soul for all of his life but that didn't keep him from being used by the Lord he's not done with us and it proves one thing about grace it was never dependent upon us anyway we, we didn't get redeemed because we were so good we were redeemed because of the grace of God showing mercy to us. And that's true even at the moments of possible greatest failure. God's grace is extended. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, none of us want to have an experience like Peter. But Heavenly Father, what soul-stirring comfort it is to see how the Lord responded to Peter after this time of great failure. We would hope and pray to be kept from what Peter went through. But Heavenly Father, when we're at our lowest as believers having put our trust in you you have not let go of us your desire is still restoration your desire for us is a communion your desire for us is further ministry Heavenly Father May we draw comfort even from Peter's failure as we see your work of restoration in his life. And as Satan comes to attack us when we're down, may we be reminded of your grace and mercy to Peter and by application to us as well. May we be restored with confession and repentance. May we then walk again in fellowship with you. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You can see in front of you that we have set up the Lord's table. And in a few moments, we'll share these elements. They are for all believers. You, don't, you need not be a member of our church family to participate. We call it the Lord's table with good reasons. It is his table, not our table. But it does call us to eat in a worthy manner. What it means by that to carefully, prayerfully approach the partake 
partaking of these elements and remembering what Jesus had done on our behalf and why he needed to do it. As we share these elements, they are broken unleavened bread and some fruit of the vine, some grape juice. It's all they stay. They are just pictures to remind us. They're physical representations of a reality of Jesus' sacrifice. We invite you to participate. If you say, well, I can't because of sin in my life, there isn't a better time for repentance and confession and restoration than even as we come to the table. So let's take a moment or two, go to the Lord quietly, privately, in our hearts and lives, and then we will partake together Father, when we come to the table, sometimes it is with overflowing joy and heart's delight because we are in the midst of a good time of fellowship with you. But other times we come to the table and we were broken and beaten down because of life and the circumstances of life and sin maybe in our life and failure in our life. And Heavenly Father, we recognize all the more anew we need your ongoing work of grace and mercy in our life. What better picture than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on, our, on our behalf and in our stead. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come, we record this portion of our service as well so those that are at home and can't be with us can participate as well and if you want to at home you can gather together some elements that's why we try and send out bulletin let you know we're going to be doing this so that as you watch the video you can participate too and share in these times together with us going to ask the men to come forward and we'll prepare to share the first element, the broken bread representing Jesus Christ's body broken for us. Men, if you would. We're going to share this first element and we ask, Mike, if you would lead us in prayer, we'll Father God, again, we just thank you and we praise you that we can have this opportunity here in freedom and in your peace.
has come to you with thanks on our heart and on our, our tongue. We give to you this thanks for everything that you have done for us, for, for that cross that you have gone to. Lord, use us for your glory. Let your love shine through us to this otherwise dark world. For those people who need to see you and hear of your love, use us to glorify you. For that great price that you paid on the, Christ, on the cross for us, that we just thank you with our lives dedicated to sharing you to those who need you so very desperately. We thank you, Father, for giving your life so freely for us. And may you be glorified through everything we do and speak and are in this world who needs to see you. May all glory and honor be unto you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we share these elements, we'd ask that as the men take them and bring them to you, take one, hold it, and we'll give you a signal and we'll partake together. take this first element we look at the pieces of unleavened bread and we see modern matzah is strippled we're reminded of the stripes that Jesus endured offering up his body on her behalf later to be nailed to the cross Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly in need of a Savior who would care so much for us that he would offer himself up for us. We partake humbly, recognizing what Jesus did on our behalf. We join together and partake. The second element is the fruit of the vine representing Jesus Christ's body that was but blood that was poured out for us and asked Tom if he would lead us in prayer. Our precious and heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to gather together here and to partake of these elements. But they do remind us that we are all sinners in need of a savior and that you provided that way for us. You made us worthy through the blood on the cross through your only begotten son. We thank you for that. You poured out your grace and mercy upon us and that we can come and gather together and partake of these elements. We give you all the glory and the praise 
in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. come to the second element and we know that it represents Jesus Christ's blood shed for us we're reminded of the Old Testament sacrifices time and time again as a covering from sin and then John the baptizer declaring behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world we're reminded in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood there is no remission, forgiveness of sin. But we have that, Jesus Christ. We're reminded how great a cost the God of the universe paid in his love for you and for me. Let's drink to that new covenant. I'm going to ask the men to come and again to receive your cups and then Mike to come and lead us in a closing song. 